0: Amen. It is always a blessing to be with you guys, and uh, it's great to see so many uh, different faces out here this evening, and I pray that you will be edified as we study God's Word together. Today, we are starting a study on the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit, and What we had just gotten through studying over the last five weeks is the study on the Holy Spirit. And we thought, you know, this would be a great lead into the study of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is important because this is who we are. Okay, this is what we are about. So I pray that you would um, be encouraged by this this evening. Uh, First, tonight originally wasn't, wasn't supposed to be my week to teach. Okay. Uh, my week was like November like 8th or November 9th, whatever that Wednesday night is, and as I was looking at the schedule, I was like, you know what, the babies do November 8th, and I'm supposed to teach November 9th. I was like, okay, which one of the pastors will switch with me? So Pastor Andy was willing to switch with me, and um, let, let, so we're going to go a little bit out of order. Our plan originally was to start with uh, love and joy, but we're going to look at tonight faithfulness and gentleness, so... Um, let's, um, first look at Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five, and this will probably be brought up every single week, uh, as we study this together, Galatians chapter five. If you want, uh, if you want to use a Bible, there's some few Bibles. This verse is also on your sheet as well, but I encourage you to look in your Bible, uh, as much as possible. Galatians chapter five. Verses 22 and 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law. Okay, there was um, a guy who was born in the 1800s by the name of Thomas Chisholm. And Thomas had had a life in his young adult years that was very, very bad. He was he was constantly sick. Okay, he was constantly sick, couldn't find a job, couldn't couldn't uh, because he was always in bed, bed bound. He couldn't get a job and he didn't have much money. Well, when he got healthier, they still he still couldn't find a job. He was struggling to make ends meet. Well, when he turned 27, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He became a Christian. And as as he became a Christian and he started started to go through that journey and his life was still struggling with health and struggling with certain issues of of trying to provide for his family, he started writing down poems. And through his lifespan, he wrote over 1,200 poems. Well, even in the midst of difficulty... Uh, t- uh, Thomas would continue to follow Christ. And I think that's a good example for us that, that he was continue, continuing to be faithful to God. Well, there was someone who was reading, one of his friends was reading through his poems. Thomas ended up living to be like 94 years old. He was reading through his poems and he made it into a song. The words goes like this. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Very common hymn that we hear today. I mention that story because we find very few Christians with that type of faithfulness. And our faithfulness ought to be a reaction and a response from God's faithfulness to us. And that's what Thomas was saying when he was writing that poem, is great is thy faithfulness. And because of that, I can respond with faithfulness to God. So we're gonna first start off as we study about faithfulness and gentleness, we're gonna have some basic fundamental principles on the fruit of the spirit. Now, I want you to notice one thing here. And, and I was struggling with this yesterday and, and, and the days before I was, as I was studying for this. Uh, Notice when we read about the fruit of the spirit, it says the fruit of the spirit. And I'm like, why in the world does it say the fruit of the spirit and not the fruits of the spirit? Well, so I went to Mike George, so I'm going to give him credit here. I don't give him credit too often. That's a dangerous thing to do. But I went to Mike George and I was like, you know, I'm a little confused what's going on here. And Mike was like, oh, sweet. I've been studying about this for my, for my servants. I'm going to steal his stuff so that he doesn't have anything to teach on next week. <laughs> no, I'm just going to briefly cover this and then I'll let Mike go more into depth about this. If, if we take the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit isn't like a basket filled with oranges, which display love, bananas, which display joy, you know, grapes which display, you know, uh, patience. It, it's, not, it's not that these things are separate. When you become a Christian and you get the fruit of the spirit, you get everything together. It's one thing. You get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, you know, self-control. You get all that together. So it's not a, you have some of them and you, ha- you don't have others. You have them all. So it's the fruit of the spirit. So hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, Mike will answer your questions after I get done teaching. But some of the basic fundamental principles when when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is characterized to help us walk daily in godliness. It's not just characteristics, but it's characterized together they're all together to help us on a daily basis to be more godly. The fruit of the spirit is given through the Holy Spirit and displays that we truly have God in our lives. So, you know, when we, when we talk about, is this person a Christian or is this person not a Christian? How can we tell? We look at their lives and we say, do they have the fruit of the spirit? Someone who does not have the fruit of the spirit in their lives at all is not a believer. And also it's important to realize this was given to us by the Holy Spirit. And then the fruit of the Spirit can, be, uh, can, can first be seen in the person, Jesus Christ, and how he lived. So if you look at, at what is described as the fruit of the Spirit, when you look at love, when you look at joy, when you look at peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, who's our primary example of those things? Jesus. We could walk through the entire New Testament and point out in almost every occasion where we see Jesus, we can point out one of these things in, in which he is doing, if not all of them. So is our prime example. When we want to, to have faithfulness, we look at Jesus and we look at how he lived and we become faithful like that. When we want to have gentleness, we look at the way Jesus lived and we have gentleness like that. Okay, first, faithfulness as a fruit of the spirit or maybe better better phrase as the fruit of the spirit. Point number one, and what I have done tonight, and I hope this helps a little bit, what I've done is I have put, this is what faithfulness is, and then a response, this is what faithfulness is not. So hopefully that helps to, to kind of think think through this is what it is, but this is what some people say, In reality, that's what it's not. Okay, faithfulness is having faith that leads to following through on your faith. Try to think of examples of these. I think one of the best examples is Noah. You know, Noah had faith, but he didn't just have faith. He followed through on his faith. That's faithfulness. So think of it this way. If I'm a husband, me just having faith that I will not commit adultery isn't good enough. That's not faithfulness. Me saying, hey, I have faith I won't do that, isn't good enough. But if I follow through on my faith, that becomes faithfulness. So hopefully that helps you kind of think through, hey, you know, just having faith isn't faithfulness. You know, me saying I have faith in this isn't faithfulness. Me saying I have faith in God doesn't mean I have faithfulness. Because faithfulness is not just merely having faith. Faithfulness hinges on what we value through commitment and obedience rather than obligation. You know, whenever I was serving in Evansville as a youth intern, I I drove by a church and it, it said something like this. It said... Uh, uh, God created sex and put a fence around it and called it marriage. And then it goes on to say, God is our commander, report to duty. And as I was thinking about that, the, the, the sign there was trying to get, get us to say, just do what God says because it's our obligation. You know, don't don't have sex before marriage because it's our obligation. That's not what God wants. He wants us not to do it. He wants, us, he wants us to be faithful, but part of being faithful is not saying, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna sin because it's my obligation. It's I'm not gonna sin because I find joy in pleasing my God. So there's a difference between obligation and finding joy in being obedient to God. Okay. Faithfulness is placing your trust in the plan of God rather than your own plan. I think of a great biblical example for this, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham, you know, they're trying to have kids. They're at an old age. When are we going to have kids? God is faithful uh, you know, and and they need to learn to put their faith not in themselves but in God, and God can provide for things that we can't provide for. Faithfulness is not doing as you please and hoping for the best result to follow. I, I, I think that this is important because you know a lot of us say, okay, faithfulness is hey, just as long as you're following God, just as long as you're you know doing what what seems to be right, hopefully good things will follow. No, faithfulness means, hey, no matter what, no matter what the cost is, no matter what the result to come, you you know, hopefully, you know, I want good things to follow, but even if good things don't follow, I will continue along the path that God has given me. It doesn't matter what the contingency is to follow. It doesn't matter what happens next. It doesn't matter what what God has in store for us next. As long as we are on his path, that's what matters. I think that's what Abraham and Sarah had to learn through their journey of having children. God, as as long as we are on your path, God, you have the best plan for us. See, when it comes to faithfulness, we try to put a contingency plan in place. You know, we try to be very strategic about how we do this. God, I will be faithful to you if you do this. God, I will be faithful to you if I get good results from it. And God says, no, that's not the way it works because good or bad, I expect your faithfulness. and I expect your obedience. See, faithfulness is reliability or uh, faithfulness is reliability and trust in the action of an individual. Okay, I was thinking, you know, what's a good example of this? One, I think, and I don't think this is the best example, but you see bits and pieces of it. You know, look at the nation of Israel with Moses. Look at them when they are faithful to Moses and his leadership and to God. And look at when they are unfaithful to his leadership and to God. And then also I was thinking probably a good example of the opposite end is Jonah. You think about Jonah. God says, go to Nineveh. He he runs as as far away from that place as, as he can. Where does Jonah end up? You know, isn't that a good lesson for us? Even when we run away from God, Jonah still ends up in the place that God had in in place for him from the beginning. So, you know, those are some examples of, hey, we're not putting our trust in an individual, but we're putting our, our, our reliability in God. So faithfulness is not relying and trusting in yourself, but through your actions showing who you're putting your trust in. So faithfulness is saying, hey, I can't trust myself. I'm not good enough to trust myself. As as Isaiah says, I am a filthy rag, which means I must put my trust in someone else besides my carnal body. The Greek word here for faithfulness is uh, pistis, which means trustworthiness or a characteristic of a man who is reliable. Isn't God reliable? Isn't he one who is trustworthy? Isn't he one that we can, can completely trust in and, and, and say, hey, when I'm in the center of God's will, I don't have any worries. Yes, and I'm gonna mention this Sunday. Yes, even, even though it might be the most dangerous place, for me to be in the center of God's will, it's still the best place. And it still can be uh, the most, it definitely is the most pleasing place to be. D, faithfulness is ultimately an attribute of God. I, I know this is obvious, but I think this is something that has to be mentioned. Is an attribute of God. The person of Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are examples we need to look at for faithfulness. You know, we can't talk about any of these, these characteristics. We can't talk about the fruit of the Spirit without, without saying, hey, we need to be looking at God for these characteristics in our own lives. So some of the examples. Uh, uh, faithful as creator. Turn to First Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, right after the book of James. <clears throat> we know there is suffering that's going on here and um, is being written about what it means to suffer as a Christian. In and, and verse 19... And it said, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So as you're suffering, put your trust, put your hope in the one who was faithful when he created this universe and still is faithful today. So he is faithful as a creator. Uh, turn over or turn back a couple chapters to first Peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 it says this for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps verse 22 he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth meaning this hey he was, he was doing what God had, pl- had, him planned for, had planned for him. He was following after God and Christ was completely faithful to God. Uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter one. I think this is a really good um, passage to look at. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse 12. And, and let's start with, um, uh, let's just read verse 12. That's fine. It says, in, in which, is, or which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day uh, what has been entrusted to me talking about faithful as provider. He provides for us and then he guards us. And, and, and one of the other verses about him being faithful as protector, and we probably all know this, or at least the most of us know this. It's a very common verse that is it's talked about in Southern Baptist churches. is John chapter 10, uh, 28 and 29, where it t- tells us that we are in the father's hand and what? Nothing can what? Snatch us out of the father's hand. Nothing can take us away from the father's hand. Meaning, hey, he is the one who protects us. He is the one who watches over us. He is the one who provides and and takes care of us. So here's the important part about faithfulness here. Faithfulness here. The church of Jesus Christ and her foundation must be placed on the faithfulness of God, of God's word, his works, and his character. So if we want to be a, a, a faithful church, if we want to be a fruitful church, we must have our foundation on the faithfulness of Jesus and the faithfulness of God's word. And everything we do must be founded on those principles. So as we are thinking about doing events, as we are thinking about doing programs, as we are thinking about having worship services, as we are thinking about doing all those things, the God's word, his faithfulness, and the son of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness must be our foundation. If something else is our foundation, then we are going to fall. Secondly, gentleness as a fruit of the spirit. So so we cover, cover the faithfulness part and now we're gonna look at the gentleness part. And this is one that, that this was difficult for me to study. Um, just because this is a topic that is lacking in churches today, especially with men. So first, gentleness as a fruit of the spirit. G- gentleness is true humility that does not consider itself too good or too exalted for humble tasks. Turn to the book of James. James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 21, says this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul receive it with meekness see I think one of the things that churches struggle with and people in church struggle with is this idea of gentleness and it it being a form of humility and meekness gentleness is not that, we, that we're beyond showing affection in this way. And man, let, let, let's be honest. We struggle in this area. Um, you know, I love my dad. My dad was a, a faithful, faithful um, father. He loved the Lord. But until, until I graduated high school, I remember him hugging me once. Now, after that, you know, there, there was some change that, that took place in him. God really convicted him about that. And, and that has, has completely changed. And, and he regrets those years in my life where there wasn't that gentleness. But I would assume that's probably the same way, the same way my father did. That's probably the same way most Christian men treat their, their kids, especially their boys. God God has called us to a spirit of gentleness, to love our boys and our girls in a way that is gentle and that is caring, that shows humility, that says, I'm not too good for this, but God, you want me to do this. This is what part of my calling is. And may we remember that we are never beyond showing that type of affection to our kids, to your grandkids. You're never beyond that. The Greek word here means sweet reasonableness, that you would reason in a sweet way with your children, with your grandchildren, with people in the church, with your family, people who you love, Like how R.C. Sproul puts it. Gentleness is strength, strength under control. It's strength under control. Which leads us to the next point. Gentleness is love strong enough to express itself in tender ways. It's saying, hey, I love you and I love you so much that I can express myself to you in ways that don't just show my masculinity. And I think that's what men are scared of. And I think that's what men are afraid of is, hey, if I do this, that means I'm going to be feminine. No, it doesn't. It means that you're going to be godlier. You know, it, it means what you're doing what God wants you to do. You know, when I hear that women, uh, that, that, their hus- that, that men can go out on Friday nights and, and women always have to watch the children. But when women want to go out, that men just don't think it's their responsibility to watch the children. That, oh, well, if you're going out, I need to get a babysitter. No, there is a responsibility for us as men, as husbands, as fathers to show that gentle love towards our children. Let your wives go out. Spend time with your children. Show them a gentle love that no one has ever shown them before. See, like a brilliant potter working at the wheel, God places divine hands gently around you. And we need to have that same gentleness with the people that we love. Gentleness is not a sign of weakness or spineless refusal to stand up for anything, but rather a lifestyle. Men, if you think tonight that being gentle with your children is, for whatever reason, a sign of weakness, you are wrong. It should be a strength in your life. It should show that you love God. It should show that you have a passion to to serve God faithfully. You know, gentleness goes, and that's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness goes straight along with faithfulness because if you want to have faithfulness to God, you will be gentle with your children and have gentleness with them. Colossians chapter 3. And I think it's actually verse twelve in which it says, yeah, verse twelve. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, as God has chosen you, put on holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must be forgiven. There's your description of gentleness. Put on those characteristics. And when you deal with one another... Deal with them in a gentle, loving, caring way. We can learn a lot of lot about this just with the way that we deal with our church folk, the way we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God has called us to a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness is firmness with a touch of grace. It's firmness with a touch of grace. It is not neglecting to speak truth into the life of other believers, just because you have the spirit of gentleness does not mean that you don't speak truth into other people's lives. actually, it means the opposite if you have gentleness, you do speak truth into other people 's lives, but you do it with a spirit of gentleness you know when, when you think about Colossians Colossians three there. When you think about Matthew 18 and you're dealing with people who are caught up in sin, the way you do that is with a spirit of gentleness. You don't do it and you don't don't take the Bible and beat them over the head with it. You go there and you say, I love you and I care for you. And as you do that, you show them a spirit of gentleness because you love them and, and you want to be faithful to God. Gentleness is ultimately an attribute of God. Examples, and and, and I'm not going to turn, we're not going to turn, actually, yeah, we are going to turn here. Gentleness and salvation. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Here in 2 Samuel, David is praising God, singing a song to God because of the deliverance that he has gotten. So 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 36 says this. You have given me the shield of your salvation. And listen to this. And your gentleness made me great. You've given me salvation. And through that, you've given me gentleness. And which has made me something. He's not not puffing himself up what he is saying. He's saying, thank you, God, for what you have given me. Thank you for, for giving me salvation and for allowing me to be gentle, which has made me into the man of God that I'm supposed to be. And then Matthew chapter 11. Gentleness as comforter. Matthew chapter 11 uh, we'll read verses 28 and 29 here this this is a great great sign of gentleness come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says it very clearly. Hey, if you're struggling, find your peace and your comfort in me and I will be gentle with you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. Uh, what, what I did last time I, I taught in here and I, I want to do it tonight is um, I want to encourage you, go home and with your families either tonight or sometime by the end of the week, uh, talk about these four questions that I have listed here. Um, I think it's great to have these type of discussions with the people that you're living with, with, with the family that you have in your house, even if your kids are small. And you know, it's amazing when you ask, Kids' questions, it's amazing at some of the answers they can give you that, that are very, very godly answers. Things that, you, you know, we as adults don't even think about. But ask these four questions. How does God's faithfulness lead us to be more faithful to him? And, and, and be honest with one another. Number two, how can we be more faithful to God even in the midst of difficult situations that don't go our way? You know, when something bad happens, how can we be more faithful to God? How can that help shape in us and mold us? How does gentleness show a loving characteristic of God? You know, or how does our gentleness show that we truly love God? And then fourthly, how, how does God's gentleness with us display how we ought to be gentle with others? Great thing to think about how, how does God's, you know, the way he loves us, the way he cares for us, the way he, he interacts with us and the way he is gentle with us. How does that help me to realize that I am called to be gentle with others? Uh, I I list the four books there that I think would be helpful. This is a topic uh, that um, you're interested in the Fruitful, fruitful life by Jerry Bridgers or Bridges. Bridgers. He's related to George. Uh, the Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. Uh, and in there it lists the actual uh, care, uh, the spirit of the fruit. Okay, so it, talks about, it has a chapter on faithfulness, has a chapter on gentleness. Humility by C.J. Mahaney. A lot of faithfulness and gentleness, when you think about it, starts with humility. That is one of the best books that you can read by probably one of the most humbled pastors that are, that's out there. And then the last one is For the Love of God by D.A. Carson. Those are four books that are really good books that are uh, good reads for you to, if you want more on this topic. Uh, thank you for allowing me to teach tonight. Uh, first, since we have a few minutes left, I want to make sure we give you all enough time to get to choir. But since we have a few minutes left, are there any questions about this topic?